Hi, and welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, the Managing Partner at Insight Consulting Partners. And here with me today, we have um, a lot of our podcast regulars. We have Amy Grubb, Mark Ingram, Sven Ringling, Brandon Toombs, and Martin Gillette. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, Steve. Hi, guys. Hey. All right. So I'm excited about this podcast. It's, I think, a good topic on governance and change management and sort of some uh, processes around the maintenance of a success factors and employee central implementation. So I think that's um, good stuff to talk about. First of all, I want to remind listeners um, where they can find the podcast. Um, if this just sort of ended up in your uh, email or your podcast app, um, you can go to insightcp.com slash insights to see all the podcasts for all of history and uh, look at um, uh, the profiles of all the podcast team members and um, subscribe there through RSS or you can subscribe through iTunes. Um, we have a link to the LinkedIn page there and also to uh, the SoundCloud uh, site where we have all the podcasts too. So. Um, go there. You can leave us some comments, constructive feedback, or even uh, unconstructive feedback, too. That's fine. So we'll get into this. So this podcast is about um, governance and change management for success factors. Um, you know, we'll probably talk about some things like promote to production processes and, you know, what's the right level of involvement and what are the roles and responsibilities between business users and IT users. Um, what about the quarterly release cycles and, and how do we handle sort, sort of uh, some of those things? Um, because, you know, all of this is different than what we have traditionally done in SAP HR. And, um, you know, it's even a little bit specific to success factors, probably as far as cloud goes overall. Um, and it's also, I think all of us could say we we get these sorts of questions from our customers uh, quite a bit when they look at uh, how do they approach this this new thing with success factors and employee central. So uh, I want to start out with the governance topic. Um, you know, my experience, governance is a huge issue. When you get it right, things go well. Um, when you don't do a good job of it, that's when things get messy. And I don't think it really depends on the technology. I think it depends on just having a good process. Um, so I'll kick this off to, to Brandon Toombs. And Brandon, just want to get your perspective on, on governance. What have you seen that works well and, and what doesn't work well? What would you advise people to look at and, and put in place? Uh, thanks, Steve. So from a governance standpoint, uh, what I'm seeing right now is uh, it's starting to be a little bit of a, a come full circle uh, type of situation um, at a lot of my customers uh, because what they're what they're used to uh, in the past of course is something where, where IT is is managing a lot of these functions from a governance standpoint and so as they start putting in these uh, these cloud solutions and and you know a lot of times it's one at a time uh, it's not as big bang and so it kind of creeps up on them that they've got all of these uh, systems in and as they put more and more of this onto success factors they may have one integrated system as a matter of fact um, but they are kind they're not 
really as prepared to have that governance in place. And so the, they're not planning ahead. Um, and so the, the idea of, of having someone that's kind of in charge and is kind of managing just for overall from a release standpoint and from a uh, communication standpoint and um, you know from, from systems and integrations and, oh, you can do that. No, you can't do that. Um, there is a lot of uh, you know kind of reinventing the wheel that I'm seeing out there, where where people uh, are are coming around late to the fact that they do need go. That has been uh, a little bit of a um, uh, of a challenge for a lot of customers because they're they're using the. Uh, the idea of having a success factor system as a, as a way to get away from having uh, as many stringent controls in place, and that's probably a good thing on some level. But on another level, uh, you do there there are reasons that that IT has served some of those functions in the past in order to ensure some uh, some of the system stability and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think what what I would say as far as like a key best practice is really. Um, Early on in in your implementation cycles, particularly you know as you're looking long term, starting to put those infrastructures in place of, of who is really going to be calling the shots and and uh, you know of course there there needs to be people uh, key people in the business that are going to have uh, kind of a strategic view on what's important and what's not uh, that that's going to be actively engaged and invested in in the governance uh, of the system. So that the the companies I've seen where where that is addressed early and uh, that is put in place uh, at the outset, those have been kind of the things that I've seen to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the same sort of advice we've probably used for quite a while. Um, you know, make sure you have good representation, make sure you're making, um, that you have a good strategy in place for what you're going to do. Um, you know, it's just because it's cloud software and that the you don't have as much of a need for maybe customization or as much of a need for some technical things. It doesn't mean that you can get away with not having some standards, I guess, and some controls in place, right? Well, and as a matter of fact, and we'll get into this uh, more when we start talking about quarterly release cycles um, and the number of changes that, that come with those, there is more reason than ever in a lot of cases, even if it's not a technical reason. So in other words, you don't have to, uh, maybe there isn't a need for someone to know all the ins and outs technically of, of certain things. There is uh, the the system itself is so dynamic that governance becomes even more important uh, than it has been in the past. It's just more of a functional kind of governance than maybe a technical one, if if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I would agree with that. I think you know there's a lot of those UI changes that get pushed out um, that a lot of customers aren't prepared for. Um, great example is this release that we just had. I've had several customers. Granted, they're a little bit on the the slow side, but um, they were in a panic because they're in the middle of their performance process, and suddenly their dashboards disappeared because dashboards 1.0 were sunset. So, I mean, mm. obviously, they need to be a little more ahead of the curve knowing that that was going to happen and have dashboards 2.0 already in place. But, you know, there are several things that aren't those opt-in enhancements that I find a lot of customers do not not ready for they don't pay attention and they don't have a response you know when something gets sunset which doesn't happen very often but you know it, it does <laughs> you need to be aware of that and yeah I, that, I mean that's Go that's, ahead. That's, that, that's definitely an example where if it was advanced warning on that then it's just a matter of paying attention because 
Yeah, they've been talking about that for at least two years now, right? Right, exactly. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would also agree with Brandon that people, customers do not plan for this soon enough. Um, they leave it till the very end um, or until they're, you know, after they've gone live and then they try and figure it out. And that, you know, the governance piece, the how are they going to respond to the quarter, quarterly releases, that needs to be a part of the implementation and probably pretty pretty close to the front, I think, um, mm -hmm. especially if they're a larger global organization. You know, Mark and I just had a um, an example a couple weeks ago of a customer we work with where there's a, they're a large global organization. I thought they had their governance, governance pretty well down, but somebody enabled the Fiori UI without checking with somebody and, and it broke recruiting, oh, something no. in recruiting. <laughs> Yeah. Now, fortunately, that was just in their test instance, but they were also in the middle of rolling out some functionality in another country, and it was a it was a hiccup. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even these even the companies that seem like they have it handled, this is something that you really need to pay attention to and do do health checks on how is your governance working for you. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think um, I think you guys hit on something really good too that. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about governance just within an implementation cycle, but it's really governance from the implementation and and through maintenance and through ongoing production. Um, you know, after go live, it's 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 not a, a a project only thing. It's an ongoing thing that um, people need to do, and you know that might be something that some customers don't expect. I, I know I've seen people who just they think, well, okay, we'll have a steering committee. And you know, once we're implemented, that kind of dissolves, and then uh, then everything is fine. But but it's not because it's not going to be that stable. It, it's a much more dynamic environment, which means you need that that governance function around all the time. Yes, I would agree, Steve. Sorry, uh, you you actually need more than governance. You need a whole master plan. I mean, the old good years with ACP basic on premise were Anki Dory implementing you functionality. It was speed up a little bit in the good old days with the uh, enhancement packages, but here the dynamic with success factors is so fast, it's so efficient that you need to have this roadmap ahead of you. And sorry to say, I don't want to get in trouble with the steering committee, but those guys are there to make decisions and point out the, the milestones. They don't have technical knowledge, most of them. So they rely on you, they rely on the team lead and the, the crew to make the regression testing and make the business case scenario and UATs. Failing to do that, like Amy mentioned, you would strongly put your system at risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Steve. In, in, in the project, it's easy because you have the, the project structure in place. You probably have an experienced partner who guides you, but then you're kind of let loose uh, and you think it's, it's simple because it looks simple. And Mark, you said we are going full cycle, and I think that that's exactly what happens in the old days with the on-premise solution. You would probably have just one process in one country to begin with, maybe payroll in the home country. Whoever is responsible for payroll did whatever he wanted, and it started to get complicated when other countries came on or other processes, and they shoot things down. And that's what happens now. You start mid performance and goals. One guy is responsible for that in the U.S., all fine, and whenever he needs to make changes to the people profile, he just changes it. And now there's recruiting, and, and there's compensation, and there's succession, and they all 
they all live on the same people profile and the guy may not, just not be aware of it. And same with other countries and so on. So as the solution expands, you just need rules. And I think it's more dangerous than it used to be on-prem because on-prem is actually difficult to make changes technically. Um, but now almost everybody knows enough to be dangerous. Yeah, so I would say that a, that a, a company that that isn't actively engaged in doing governance and going through changes is probably a company that's not growing much anymore. Um, you know, your your processes are going to evolve your requirements, and you're probably going to be rolling it out to you know, as you acquire new subsidiaries or um, start operating in a different different countries. You know, that that's it's going to be. Um, I mean, it sounds obvious, but uh, just something continuous. It's it's going to be happening long term, on top of on top of other factors such as you know the quarterly changes, which we're going to talk about. And then I'm kind of interested in, you know, so with success factors, we're going in a specifically uh, versus on premise. We're going in a direction back where they will be able to support it more from a enhancement possibility. You know, using Cloud HANA, metadata framework, and so on. I think the governance has gone back towards the business more. But when you start talking about IT strategy and um, you know the direction you want to go in for for integration, enhancing the solution, and so on, it seems like that it's going to come around again. That IT will be like very, very, very necessary again, right? For large, probably for large organizations. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Mark. Um, because you know, like you said, some of it. Is, is really technical. When you start talking about uh, extensions with HCP, um, that can get technical real fast, especially when you start integrating with other on-premise systems, right, or other cloud systems. Um, and and also, I think, um, you know, the, the govern governance has a role to play in, com in limiting complexity, too, and maybe driving some standardization. Um, and Brandon, I wanted to, to get back with you with this question, see what you thought. I, I heard of a company, shall be nameless, that said, um, we will allow 20 custom fields to be added. Anything after that, the steering committee has to approve. And, you know, of course you can add more than 20 custom fields, but they said, we're going to put a lid on it to force people to standardize and simplify to what the system offers instead of going wild with all sorts of... Uh, Custom things, which, like Sven, you said, were, you know, easier to do in success factors than with SAP on premise. So, Brandon, what do you what do you think about something like that? And you know, what what do you think the role of governance is in um, keeping customers to a more standard well, system and limiting it, it, customization? A lot of it depends, really, on the environment that that you're talking about. I mean, I could I could totally see somebody using that. It, it's it sounds almost kind of gimmicky to say, okay, let's do 20, 20 custom fields, although I've used uh, similar things like that because you do have to do something from a scope control standpoint anyway uh, a lot of times when you're doing things. Uh, even if you can uh, potentially manage that uh, from an effort standpoint, uh, you, you, or from a technical standpoint, there maybe there's no problem, but but maybe 20 fields, uh, to take your example, is probably a reasonable assumption of what a what types of uh, changes that that the environment would call for uh, under normal circumstances, uh, and it could be that that this particular client uh, could be one where they are prone 
to trying to put too many customizations in or, or just not orienting themselves around what the solution does mm -hmm. right. And we've all been in places like that where they're going to uh, the, the mentality is that the, the system needs to match what, I, what it is that we want it to do. And, and that is, of course, a, a, a very mm -hmm. dangerous uh, path to go down because you're, you're not buying your own custom system. You're buying a, a system that's based on uh, business process, best practices of a certain point of view. And so... You know, a lot of times we'll hear things like, okay, well, we can't go backwards in functionality and, and install this, this system. And no, uh, I, I, you know, I try to say this as diplomatically as possible, but, but I say uh, absolutely you can uh, go backwards in functionality if that particular element isn't available in the solution that you, that you purchased or that, that we're implementing here. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a bad solution. It means that you may have to rethink some things. So, you know, from a governance standpoint, it, it really is a matter of uh, philosophically kind of adopting uh, what it is the, that the system does right. And of course, there are going to be gaps, and there are, there are definitely going to be times to put some custom fields in and things like that. But yeah, um, I guess you know what I would say, kind of, uh, kind of to bring this back to our to our topic, is that if you do. Uh, uh, put those kind of restrictions in place in order to make sure that people are are are, are handling things the right way. That's that's really kind of a strategic uh, way of keeping people uh, kind of in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I've told people that you can hack up a cloud system just as much as you can hack up an on-premise system. It's just different ways of hacking it, and you can get yourself into trouble, you know, both ways. Um, I think in Amy, you've had more experience with success factors than any of us, so. Um, but I think sometimes it's hard for customers to understand, you know, where, what should those sorts of controls be? What what does governance look like for um, a success factors implementation? And I'm I'm just curious on on your perspective on that on on, you know, what does governance look like? And you know, maybe maybe we can get to a little more detail, or or maybe it's just too uh, customer specific. But what what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I wanted to to go back and. Um, just mention, and if somebody mentioned this and I missed it, I apologize. But from the, you know, from the governance perspective, it's much more than just from an IT perspective, from a technical perspective. You need to also mm -hmm. make sure that your business processes have enough governance in them as well. And that they are, you know, as you are um, evaluating quarterly enhancements, that you're also taking the opportunity to evaluate those against your business process. So you know, what, whatever mm -hmm. your governance structure ends up looking like. <clears throat> and I think it is fairly customer specific, but, you know, generally I think that um, if with an organization, you know, of any um, size, let's say over a thousand employees, um, that governance model needs to be, needs to have equal representation from IT as well as your business stakeholders in HR. Um, and they need to work together. So this isn't something where, you know, the business can just dump it all on IT, that's not going to be successful. Um, because success factors is so um, geared towards, you know, it's so, I don't know, I, everybody knows I'm a success factors fan. So it's just, it's so rich in functionality um, already. And, you're, you know, it's so geared towards your business stakeholders that they have to play a part in it. 
Um, and I think that's something maybe a little bit different from, you know, what Martin refers to as the good old days of purely on-prem, where governance was, you know, probably mostly handled by IT. And, you know, they could do those enhancement packs once every couple of years. Um, and those were handled by IT. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's not the world today. And, you know, especially I think for, for on-prem customers, you know, historically on-prem customers, that's going to be a mind shift for them to, you know, mm -hmm. have the business involved ongoing after go live. Um, and then that, you know, it's, it's kind of the same discussion around um, not just governance, but okay, how are we going to support this, right? Are you going to have administrators that are in the business or are they strictly going to be in IT? Um, that has to come into play in your government mm -hmm. governance model too. Um, I, you know, I've personally mm -hmm. dealt with more customers that weren't, were not on-prem. And so I have had an easier time getting them to kind of be open to the possibilities. But um, I want to say most customers in my experience don't do this very well. And they get themselves in a lot of trouble. I have a lot of customers that even with the upgrade center, they don't do it. They don't upgrade. And then their their system, you know, <laughs> they're horribly behind. Yeah. And not only is that, you know, that's not good just overall, they are losing out on so much capability within the system, right? What's one of the biggest reasons that you go to a cloud system? Constant innovation. Well, if you're not keeping up with those enhancements, you're losing out on that. Um, and most yeah, experience, yeah. they don't do this well, on-prem or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I've, I've had customers who are better at it than others, too. And, um, you know, I always try to set the expectations that this sort of governance and change management process doesn't end after... Um, after go live, right. it needs to go on because right. things change, right? The software changes. It's, um, and with cloud, like you said, the innovation is coming faster. It's um, quarterly, which yeah. we'll talk about next. So, um, you know, I think it just comes down to maybe part of its, uh, Amy, maybe part of its culture of the company right. where some of them see the the value and others don't. Well, um, I, you know, I wish, I, if I had the answer, I, <laughs> I would surely like to, to share that, but well, I don't, I don't, know that I don't I think do. there is a magic answer, unfortunately. And I will say this, I think that, you know, SAP on-prem customers have a, um, an advantage over other customers because they're used to the, con the concept of system governance. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's one, they just need to be a little bit more open-minded about how they're going to include business stakeholders in that. So, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about quarter, quarterly releases just in passing, but Brandon, I, I wanted to get back to that in a little more detail now. And because, you know, um, you know with on-premise, we had support packs and we had uh, enhancement packs. And, you know, I've had customers who put on support packs twice a year and others who do it every couple years. And I've had people who are, you know, uh, not put on enhancement packs at all, and some who, are, who stay constant and up to date. Um, with success factors, we are, you know, now we have quarterly releases, and you know, you can turn some functions on and you can choose not to turn some functions on, but the ones you don't turn on eventually probably pile up and will affect you at some point. So, um, you know, what are some, some good practices, Brandon? What's your perspective on how people should handle these quarterly releases? Yeah, so if there's one area of the system that is uh, both the 
as Amy mentioned before, the, the biggest uh, uh, benefit of having a cloud system, a, a cloud multi-tenant system, uh, but also one of the, the bigger challenges, it is around the fact of the fact of the quarterly release. So uh, what this means, uh, again, to, to, kind of, uh, to kind of put this in the starkest terms possible, is once a quarter, um, and it happens uh, in two different stages, but uh, so, for example, uh, in this quarter, this past quarter, um, at the start of November, all of the changes for the quarter were applied to a uh, the preview environment for the customers. So this is kind of uh, uh, if you uh, the analogy for from an SAP standpoint would be if you have a uh, a landscape where you're applying your patches first. Uh, that's what this is. Um, so the the patches quote the quote unquote patches get applied to the preview server uh, one month ahead of time. Everybody goes in and can do the testing ahead of time. But then uh, at the start of December, uh, those same changes get applied, um, hopefully with some revisions and some uh, fixes based on customer feedback. But they're going to go into your production system. And, and you can't go to uh, success factors and say, hey, you know what? We're busy right now. Let's, let's hold off. And let's not do the quarterly release this quarter. Because guess what? Every other customer is on the same uh, code base. So you're going to be getting those, getting those fixes and those changes whether you like it or not. Now, the marketing material says um, that, okay, uh, the changes are just opt-in. You can go in and you can uh, choose them or, or not. Um, Unfortunately, this is not always the case, uh, and I've, I've noticed this a lot, particularly in, in the area of Employee Central, and it's because there's so much change going on in Employee Central mm -hmm. that you're going to be getting some changes every quarter, whether you like it or not. And so it is very vital that your organization be prepared for some change. So you know this this mindset that we all have where we're just going to go in and we're going to have a project and we're going to finish that project out and, and darn it we're going to get the system looking just right and then we're going to move on we're all going to be doing different things um and and that solution is going to be what we had designed uh those days are over uh there are going to be changes that you're going to be uh, experiencing just about every quarter um there may be subtle changes so for example uh in this last uh uh, update uh, on the employee central side uh, for those that are on the people profile, which is the new uh, the new visualization tool. Um, they've added the opt-in feature was an editor that allows you to reorganize the fields and, and show them on the screens different ways. Um, the the part that wasn't opt-in is some of the fields that you already had on the screen might change around slightly. Mm -hmm. um, which really is not that big a deal. However, uh, for customers that, that weren't paying any attention in their preview environment, uh, they were not going to be ready to, to deal with the change management that, that comes with uh, your, your screens not looking the same. And so it's mm -hmm. vitally important that you go in and that, uh, and I can't emphasize this enough, as for customers, uh, you really need to have a regression test uh, script that you're going to go through for all of your key regression uh, uh, processes uh, that you're going to go through every quarter and just make sure that you're comfortable with how the system looks after those those notes and everything have been applied. That is uh, irrespective of 
you know, some of the opt-in changes, which you can also do during that time. So, for example, if you see something uh, in, in your OneVoice session that says, you know, this new functionality is coming in, darn it, we want that. That's great. Go ahead and, and you can implement that at the same time. But regardless of whether you want to do that or not, maybe you want to just take your time with the innovations. That's fine. Uh, you're still going to have some change. And so this mindset needs to be, you know what, we're, we're not buying a system so that we can stay where we are. We're, we're buying the system so that we can be along for the ride and then we're going to have something that's going to grow. But in order to do that, you're going to have to be uh, prepared uh, to deal with some changes along the way. So that's, that's kind of what I would say from a, from a quarterly release standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's all. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, yeah, I could keep I, I could keep going on for a while, as you could tell. This is a kind of a, a important point to me, but it's really become. Uh, I'm seeing more and more customers uh, dealing with this, particularly the ones that are coming from an SAP environment where you're not used to having things uh, uh, kind of dictated to you. You're you're used mm -hmm. to just accepting them, and and of course we're all used to this idea of let's just uh, let's not rock the boat. Everything's kind of working fine. Uh, let's just be safe and let's not do anything. And and those days really are over. Yeah. Well, you know, I you can complain about putting on enhancement packs every two years and the effort that takes, or you can complain about, you know, quarterly regression testing, right? I mean, there's going to be a basis for complaint from some perspective for um, different people. You know, it's, you know, if I look at the amount of work quarterly, maybe it all adds up to the same amount of work I would do twice a year. I mean, every two years. Um, but I think the, the main point is, be proactive, right? Uh, plan for the change, put processes in place for regression testing, make sure that you do that um, because that's how you get value out of the software, right? It's That's how you um, move the ball forward as far as your HR software goes. Um, mm -hmm. I think Brandon needs to get some passion on this topic. Because, <laughs> yeah. You know, and for customers that are listening, if <clears throat> your partner isn't having these conversations with you, during the implementation and helping you think through how you're going to manage this yeah. after go live, um, you know, that's not good. Like you, that should be, like I mentioned, a part of the implementation, mm -hmm. um, which I think mm -hmm. traditionally, you know, post go live, you know, support, it, it's more than just the, that two, two or four weeks of hypercare, right? It's, it is ongoing. Mm -hmm. And then talking about with your partner, what role are they going to play with you? in that ongoing support, you know, because even though more and more things are getting moved into the actual uh, tool to manage, you know, there are going to be some times where you need to, to keep, have a partner involved. And I think that can be, I just had a conversation like this a couple of weeks ago with somebody who is in implementation and thinking about this, uh, which is makes them, you know, ahead of the head of the game. But, you know, as consultants, it's our job to keep up with the quarterly enhancements. Now we've got to be certified. You know, I just took my recertifications last week or the week before, and then immediately got my email that I have to do it again <laughs> for the next quarterly release. Um, but, you know, it's our job to stay up to date on what these new things are. Um, so from a, a customer perspective, you know, there's some cost benefit analysis there on how much system knowledge do you want to maintain versus business process knowledge in-house and how much do you want to rely on your partner go ongoing, right? So that's an element that I think um, 
should come into play as well is, you know, the strategic relationship with a partner going forward, even after go live. Yeah, I just want to add, uh, thinking of some customers who come from on-premise and still have their, their core on-premise. Um, I think th there are some customers who don't do enough, but there are also others who seem to turn uh, the quarterly release update into a, a, a major uh, a major operation, um, much more than a, a big upgrade in, in the old days. And I don't really know how and why they are doing this. I think there needs to be a, a balance because if if I try to retest the whole system uh, in in every single field in every a possible scenario, then I will not have quarterly updates because it takes me a whole year to to do these tests. <laughs> I think we have to get into into a right balance somewhere uh, between uh, the extremes. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's more a mindset thing than than anything else. So people have to some extent also trust that they actually do get what they pay for. Otherwise, why are they paying for? Why are they doing it at all? And to let go a little bit, and and also um, uh, don't be uh, too pessimistic about their own employees. When 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 HR people tell me we can't we can't have our employees have changed the color of the field uh, every two years, <laughs> they just they will probably go ballistic about it. I mean, look at how these employees update their smartphones, and 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 they go ballistic if the color of their smartphone doesn't change twice a year. <laughs> So I, I think some people are just too patronizing towards their, their users. That's a great point, Sven. I mean, I think customers have to understand that outside of work, all of their yeah. employees are totally tied into technology. And they're used to Apple pushing, a, you know, an OS update every, what, three months. Um, so those those change management impacts, I don't think they're as great as customers sometimes make them out to be. Like there's a little bit of reality check that needs to happen. I totally agree with you on that point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, there's some fear too, right? It's uh, it's change, right? And uh, I think uh, some of the people in charge of these administrative functions fear that a change is going to cause uh some problems or some issues and then they're going to hear about it then they'll get negative uh, feedback or bad press or something like that um, but what they don't understand is like, like you guys were saying is that employees are expecting change changes is, is is more constant for them um, you know i just worked with a customer who rolled out some mobile functionality um, to some wage employees some hourly employees out in manufacturing plants and um, at first, they were very, very hesitant to do it because, you know, these are people, you know, working with their hands in, ma in manufacturing and, oh, my gosh, are, you know, what are they going to do with mobile? But as they got to looking at it, they realized that most of all these people had mobile phones they brought to work with them and they used them all the time. And so if we give them some services uh, for HR payroll through their phones, they're probably going to like that. And in fact, when we rolled it out, it was very well received. So um I think you know some of this is getting beyond the mindsets of some of these central HR finance functions and, and really looking at it from a design perspective from the employees or the user's perspective. I think that is a big change for some people. And I think you have to be proactive about it, right? So don't wait for the, the field color to change or the UI to change or 
the menu item to go somewhere else and then deal with all the people freaking out about it. Get ahead of that. Know mm-hmm. it's coming and let your employees know it's coming and you won't have as many help desk tickets, right? Or complaints because they're prepared for it. Yeah. So don't be reactionary. Gotta be proactive in mm-hmm. these days. And and I think SAP does a great job of communicating most of the time on what's coming. And so there's really no excuse mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. to be reactive. As long as you have yeah, as long as you have a governance process set up that's looking for that and and looking for it for it in advance, right? Which is yeah. I think that's the key that we're talking about here. I mean, the difference between that and and on premise is that you have to be on your 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 governance calendar has to be on a schedule in in terms of system changes on success factor schedule rather than you being able to determine when you're going to roll out those changes and apply support packs or enhancement packs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but even even so, with with on premise, um, I know you know I've worked with on premise payroll for a long, long time, and I never trust the notes that SAP gives. Um, you know, I'll work with a customer, we put the software in into a, a test environment, and we test the heck out of it, and we see what the changes are. Because as much as um, you know, SAP tries, there are changes that are not documented in a, in a note that impact people. So. I think that some customers have a, a bad experience with that, um, but uh, you know they have to maybe put on some new glasses when it comes to success factors. It's, it's a different process. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Steve, just to to uh, kind of echo that. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that you definitely want to do some due diligence uh, on these. I mean, I, I will say uh, that success factors isn't perfect from a, a documentation standpoint either. There's so much going in and, and there may be times when uh, a, a change here or there comes in that isn't as well publicized as perhaps it should be. And for those types of reasons, uh, it's really important that you do do some testing. And, and also just Think about it this way: Would you put? Uh, would you ever think about uh, having your core HCM system, um, if you were on premise? Would you ever think about uh, going through and just having it go live uh, with the support packs without any type of regression testing whatsoever? Um, and I, I sometimes I feel like that uh, we have not done a good enough job making sure that everybody understands that yes, there are changes that are coming in every quarter, and uh, in, and in particular on a on a core HCM employee central basis, you might want to just make sure just run through a new hire, run through a transfer, and run through a termination, uh, kick off some test interfaces, and just make sure that everything looks fine. Uh, it shouldn't take that long mm-hmm. to do it, uh, but just make sure that that everything looks okay because you what you don't want to be faced with is Monday morning. Uh, after the quarterly releases are applied, uh, now all of a sudden you have chaos when that could have easily been avoided with just a, a, an hour or two of regression testing uh, earlier on and then adjusting to whatever it is that you find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great points. And, and Brandon, it kind of gets me back to, I think, the one of the last things I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, what's the role of IT in, in all of this? Um, sometimes when cloud systems are sold, one of the selling points is, well, you don't need IT, or you don't need IT nearly as much. Um, but I think that that's, that's uh, not always the case. I mean, we're just talking here about some regression testing, and some of it could get technical, and some of it might involve integrations back to the legacy systems, and some of it could involve maybe some other enhancements that were done within success factors that maybe your HR 
finance business users aren't really going to be that equipped to handle. So, um, you know, I think that's that's one definite role for for IT to play in this. And also, you know, IT sort of has a mindset of uh, of testing and in a sort of uh, discipline to that. So, um, yeah, I just would just caution customers. You know, don't don't go thinking that just because you have a cloud system now that you don't need IT. I think IT has a a constant and a, a very important role to play in all of this. But you know, maybe you guys disagree. Maybe I'm wrong. I doubt it. But. <laughs> I don't disagree. We, I think we love IT. I think it's it's again. Uh, I I'm probably uh, being quoted for all in, always talking about balance and sitting on the fence. But again, it's a thing about balance. I totally agree that. IT needs to have a, a role in that, uh, but I think we, we just need to redefine that, that role of IT. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a workshop with a customer who have been trying to implement the cloud solution that should have been implemented in four, five months, uh, and they've been trying for two and a half years, and they still didn't have one of their 25,000 people live. And I found that probably the, the main reason for this was that their corporate IT unit, which is a big IT unit, part of their conglomerate, um, tried to find a much bigger role in that project than they should have. And and there seems to have been a lot of very technical people who weren't educated in what cloud means, uh, basically messing up the communication between the customer and the, and the vendor. And, and mm-hmm. trying to talk about fields and tables and, and things that just don't matter at that point. I think it, it's a mm-hmm. fundamental redefinition of the role of IT. And these very technically things, they are more on the fringes of the, of the solution when you talk about integration, which is critical, which is complicated, um, but it's not, it's not needed all, all over the project. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, I think the role of IT changes from it, it becomes less, maybe less technical and more of um, process integration or a process. Um, and I don't mean PI from the SAP PI perspective. I mean, people who know processes and can integrate processes across multiple systems and people who have that analytical mindset where they can tie it into the technical framework so that they understand, um, you know, what the changes are, what's going on and what some of the possibilities are. It's not an army of programmers. It's maybe a few uh, highly qualified business process experts. I, I agree with that. And I and think that one of the areas that I see a lot of times um, <clears throat> where projects falter when they don't have IT involved is in testing. So I think the mm-hmm. role of IT becomes much more consultative on a cloud implementation then you know in their hands-on getting the like you said not not programming but just consulting with the business and you know it i think the role of a, a partner should be to help broker relationships between it and the business who maybe have never worked together like that before and mm-hmm. you know help it see how they can really add value to the project in the areas of testing and what does it mean to really thoroughly test because you know I would say in my success factors experience going back 10 years, um, you know, you're dealing with HR people. They don't, they don't know how to test a process really, you know, they need guidance on that. And that's, that's one role during the implementation where 
where IT can really play a really valuable role because they do it all the time, right? So I think IT really shouldn't be afraid of the cloud product or feel threatened. They, you know, I would, gosh, if I was an IT, I would welcome the opportunity to not do the heavy lifting, right? And to just kind mm-hmm. of be more of a consultant in the process, making sure, you know, check marks or, or uh, cue gates are, are checked off thoroughly. And then, you know, working with the business to support that ongoing in a different way. But I'm not an IT person. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree. I think it's it's very energizing for a lot of IT people, but I think it's kind of threatening for some too. Um, you know, if 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 their focus has been on programming and technical things, um, then that skill set might not be as uh, as needed when someone goes to the cloud, and so it it puts their job in a little bit more of a a little more flux, right? And that can be un- uncertain for people. That's part of the resistance, I think, that we find in, in moving to cloud and maybe some of the resistance companies have in responding to how they, they manage and govern that. That's just um, change management, really, at the, at, the, at the person level because it, it changes people's jobs. But, you know, thinking back, it's not all that different from, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we were replacing all those mainframe systems with this fancy new SAP R3, right? People's jobs changed. There was resist- resistance, and they wanted to make SAP R3 look like the mainframe. And now, um, you know, maybe people are wanting to make success factors or cloud software look like SAP R3. It's it's change management. Uh, Steve, I think that was longer than 10, 15 years ago. I need to tell you. Yeah. No, you know, I'm 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 still taking people off of mainframe systems, so it, they it's it's a it's a long tail to that to that curve. But yeah, you're right, Brandon. It it did start a long time ago, but I, I think it's just a lot of this is really um it's it's people issues and it's change management, which again gets us back to governance and change management and making sure you're set up for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, what I would say is the IT functions, those functions that they that they serve, those uh, those purposes still haven't gone away. I talked to someone at a very very large employee central implementation, and and you know he was. Uh, bring that up that that just because you put this in and the business can do things doesn't mean that they necessarily should do things without uh, considering uh, what kind of, of changes uh, what kind of disruptions they can cause and, and so this, those testing things those uh, you know maybe they're not the source of, of some of the changes but they're going to need to provide that rigor to the process as well as making sure that the promote production uh, process the orderly process by which you put changes in in one system, move them up, and make sure that those changes uh, work the way that they're supposed to. When you move them into your real environment, those those functions still need to happen, no matter uh, what uh, the title says on somebody's business card. Um, so those things don't go away. Yeah, for sure. So. Um- we have a lot of different people listen to our podcast, right? So I've I've got a question, kind of a, a practical at least, one. At least four or five, at least. Uh, I, guess. I was sure it was seven, but okay. Um, so say say you say you're in either on the IT or you're on the um, HR side, um, and you're at the moment passively receiving uh, quarterly updates, but not, and maybe you're checking out the occasional uh, webinar on what's coming, and and you don't necessarily actively um, do the regression testing and look at what benefits you can get from a 
quarterly release. Well, you know, if every maybe everybody could have like one piece of advice or a couple of people um, on what what would you what would you do right now from a practical uh, practical steps to get more engaged in the quarterly process and supporting it from a innovation and a change management point of view. Good question. I mean, my, I guess my first thing would be the practical one would be simply get it get it on the calendar and have you know have a you know have somebody responsible for doing an, the uh, the evaluation per you know perhaps it's per module. I would I would say that um, in a perfect world, uh, in addition to that, go ahead and make sure that you have a preview environment that you can make some of your change uh, that you can see those changes as they're applied. Um, but the other thing that that really would be useful for you is if you can keep engaged with a partner, like Amy said, someone who uh, eats, lives, and breathes this stuff uh, on a quarterly basis to to see what's coming uh, that you can work with from a partner that can say, okay, these are the things that knowing your system that you really need to watch out for. I think that's another key area that that you should really consider. I think if I go to the very basics if you only have 15 minutes for this each quarter and you are maybe you are the vp hr who wants to to make sure that their system is up to date then the one thing you do is go on youtube and watch the the quarterly update video it's obviously not giving you all the details but at least you're you're in the picture and you know where the whole thing is going to and then you can can pick your team for the details uh, and get them going I guess I would add, make sure that your preview instance is a direct reflection of production because you can't do a comparison and see what's new if, if they're not based upon the same configuration. I love, I love how Mark asked a question that he want, immediately wants to answer. Yeah, and, and I think that Steve... I was, I was that, tired of Brandon talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Steve, are you okay with him asking a question? I mean, that's really your job. I think... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll I'll delegate it this one. Yeah. You know, one thing that I also want to say just for customers who might listen to this is another thing that you are missing out on if you don't keep up on your quarterly enhancements, if you don't know what's coming, how do you know how are you going to participate in driving the roadmap of future releases? So, I think many many customers don't take advantage of logging enhancement requests and making their voice heard in the community. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I always, always encourage my customers to do is speak up. Because I think for, you know, most of the product managers, I'm sure there's a few out there that are tired of hearing from customers, but most of them want to hear from customers. They want to know what you want to see in the mm -hmm. product. And if you don't know what's available already, how in the world are you going to help influence the direction of the product going forward. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, Amy. Customers, I mean, their voices do matter with the SuccessFactors product, and it, it, it does have a, an impact on the direction. Let me, let me just piggyback on that point real quick, and that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up, Amy. Uh, in addition to logging your own enhancement requests, I cannot stress enough, go out there and vote. A lot of us on this podcast did one for Mark. Um, uh, Mark put in a, a, an enhancement request, and we all went out and voted for it. I can't emphasize enough that we need to be doing that. You need to be going in and looking at the enhancement requests in your area and voting for them, because it's not enough to just put in an idea out there. You really need, uh, We need to uh, 
a, give a uh, check mark beside the ones that we really think that as an organ uh, as a community need to be put into the system because uh, if we just have a, a, a hundred things out there that are just enhancement requests, uh, there's no way good way to prioritize. Uh, but if we can go out there, look at the ones that, that seem like they would be the most used to you and make sure you vote for those because that's how we'll get things done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so what Brandon was talking about, in, in my case, it, it took one day in the influence uh, part of the SAP site to get from putting an idea in to actually an SAP product manager responding and saying it was considered. It's because it was well, a brilliant request. We all <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's Seven, 17 votes, baby. I tweeted it. I'm pretty sure that I'm, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to, since Brandon piggybacked on my thought, I want to piggyback on his thought and beyond voting for enhancement requests that you want to see that, you know, would work for you just like Mark did when you log one, then go and market it and, you know, get people pointed out to people and, you know, tweet it or, you know, email your the people that you know and other at other customers in your your customer um, community, your local. What do they call those? Those ASAC. local groups. ASAC, yes, thank you. Yeah. It's been a long week. Um, you know, use your network like that to market your enhancement request because I always say this to customers: if you had the idea, I'm willing to bet you're not the only customer that that's going to be useful mm-hmm. for. Yep. Yep. Well, it sounds like um, you know a recurring theme throughout all of, the, all of this. Um, we're enc- encouraging customers to be active participants, right? Um, to be active participants in governance and change management, and watching the quarterly releases, and putting in change requests, and working with your partners. Um, take that active role. Don't take a passive role because passive role is going to lead to less value. A more active role will lead to more value for you. Individually, I think you learn more. It'll be more value for your company because your company will benefit more. It'll be more valuable for the whole community because you know the whole Success Factors community will benefit um, with people who are more actively engaged. It's been a, a good podcast, everyone. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for all the participation. Amy, Mark, Sven, Martin, Brandon. Um, thanks for all your perspective on this. Um, really appreciate it. We'll get back together in a few more weeks and, and we'll... Uh, Maybe talk about um, you know some of the things that came out of Success Connect Vienna, or um, yeah, just sort of whatever suits our fancy, whatever's topical at that time. So, thanks everyone. Have a great day. Thank you, Steve. You too, guys. Thank Take you. Care. Thank you. Bye bye.